Here's my tip for the day. Don't confuse activity with accomplishment. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hi, this is Dan Miller. Yes, you're listening to the 48 Days Radio Show, where each week we take 48 minutes to dive into real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day, excited to be able to do something that is, in fact, meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Hey, this is where normal, indecision, and ambiguity come to die. Welcome to the 48 Days Radio Show. Well, we got a lot of questions I want to cover today, but you know, that that's one of the things that I really want to kind of just stop and take a minute to emphasize. This is not just about work. This is not just about business. This is not just about making money. So often I see people who get so hyper-focused on those things, they forget about the life they're living, the life they're creating. Wow. I mean, the groups that I'm involved in, the masterminds that I'm involved in. I mean, I don't want those to be just about how to get 50,000 more Facebook likes or, you know, 10,000 more blog followers. I mean, those things, yeah, that's part of it. But I want to be living life together with people who understand what a meaningful life is all about. So we welcome the things on here, obviously, that deal with real life kind of issues. And we also always have that. Thanks for your ongoing questions. If you got questions, just shoot them into askdan at 48days.com. Well, we got all kinds of things here. Here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. Somebody says, Dan, I'm ready. I'm so ready to go. And every day I want so badly to be making a difference in the world. I just don't know what the next step is. My wife and I are looking for some coaching help. Somebody else asked, my wife and I were burned some 20 years ago and are still trying to regain the confidence needed to get back in the game. Wow, we need to talk about that. And how about this one? I want to find a career that I will be happy and that makes a specific salary. I know that I would like to not be in sales. Well, we'll look at that. There's a problem with that. There's a problem with that premise. We're going to look at what that is. Well, we got good news. More questions. Our Cliff Feitner poem for the day. Cliff is an active member of 48days.com and 48dayseagles.com rather. And um, in that group, he's always sharing his daily poems. This is the one I chose for today. When you are looking at your career, is it something you dread and you fear? Is it just a sad truth looking back at your youth and where it's brought you gives you a tear? Golly, sad, poignant kind of thing. We need to be looking at our lives in that way. I work with people every day who are saying, wow, this career just isn't isn't what I wanted. I have two gentlemen I'm working with right now who both, while I've been out for two weeks, quit their jobs kind of unexpectedly. That wasn't the next step we had planned, but both of them decided that their angst about being there was so great that they just wanted to cut the trail anyway moving into some new areas. Unfortunately, both of them have good options for things they can move into, but that happened a little quicker than I thought it was going to. Well, here's our quotation for today. This comes from Farshide Asil, I think is the last name. He's a John Maxwell coach. 
And his quotation is this, selling is serving, helping others find solutions, impacting lives positively with passion and integrity. So keep that in mind, especially as we work into one of those questions that I already alluded to, selling is serving. All right. Now, let's go into some news here. There's a couple of pieces of news that are just kind of news pieces. One is Target boost wages to attract workers. Target announced this week that it would lift its minimum wage to $11 an hour in a bid to fill jobs in a tight labor market. Well, that's pretty understandable. There's a whole lot of people who aren't really excited about working for less than $11 an hour. So they've increased that and they say that they're going to go on and keep increasing up to $15 an hour being their minimum. Now, you know, this thing about minimum wage, it's kind of an artificial measurement of anything. I mean, if if the minimum wages are increased, then obviously everything else is just increased as a cost factor. So if McDonald's is paying their workers $15 an hour instead of $7.25 an hour, guess what's going to happen to the cost of a hamburger and fries and a drink? Well, sure, they're just going to go up. So it's kind of an artificial moving target. You know, just increasing wages doesn't mean that everybody has an easier life. No, it means that prices go up. I mean, I re- recently did a presentation where I looked at the cost of something that I purchased when I was 13 years old at $15. That was actually the strangest secret, that audio recording that I talk about so often that impacted my life so much. It cost $15. Well, in today's money, that's $136.18. So, I mean, that's that's what changes. Sure, people make more money, but things cost more as a result as well. Well, Walmart as well has raised their minimum. They're currently at $10 an hour, but they're looking at raising that. They're saying that they aren't going to hire any extra workers for this year's holiday season, which is kind of an interesting move. But they're going to instead offer existing workers more overtime opportunities. Well, just things that are happening in the workplace some good, some bad, some depend on our frame of reference, but a lot of opportunities out there if you want to get in the game. Well, let's look at some good news things. Here is, uh, here's, here's one. This story comes from Parks Hill, Missouri. After finding heart-wrenching note in mailbox, neighbor saves 90-year-old woman from loneliness. So here's a story. And I got, I'm looking at the handwritten note here. It's been five months since Marlene Brooks received the letter that changed her life. And since reading that letter, she's changed dozens of other lives for the better. Marlene, who lives in Park Hills, Missouri, found a letter in her mailbox from down the street back in April. The letter read, Mrs. Question mark, would you consider being my friend? I'm 90 years old, live alone, and all my friends have passed away. I am so lonesome and scared. Please, I pray for someone. Well, the letter had been sent to her by Wanda Mills, an elderly woman who lived two houses down from 37-year-old Marlene. Well, it touched her heart. She paid a visit to the 90-year-old neighbor, and now she visits Mills four times a week. The result is now a life-changing friendship. I mean, that relationship has spurred her to also start Pen Pals for Seniors, an organization dedicated to ending the isolation of lonely seniors by pairing them with pen pals. You know, Joanna and I were just down in, in Florida for a couple of weeks. And as, as is no surprise to anybody, there's a whole lot of people down there who have retired 
And it was really kind of a stark reminder to me how many people are either divorced or widowed who really are alone. I mean, the people that would come out to the pool, we stayed at a gorgeous condo, but there was a community pool. The people would come out to the pool. I mean, for the most part, they were people who are alone at this season of their life. Man, that's got to be sad. Well, hopefully your nurturing relationships are going to carry into your elderly years. So you're not one of those people who are alone. But if you um, are younger and you recognize that there are people around you who could use a friend, people who are lonely and just need somebody to talk to, we take the time to reach out and be a, befriend somebody who's in the later seasons of life. Well, here's one where a groom jumps in a river while shooting wedding photos to save a drowning child. This is a cool story. Wedding groom did not care about his expensive suit or the photo shoot after his wedding on Friday. He cared most about rescuing a little boy in trouble. Clayton Cook and his now wife, Brittany, had just tied the knot at their wedding in Cambridge, Ontario, just this last weekend, when their photographer took the couple to a nearby park for some wedding portraits. In the middle of the shoot, however, Clayton, the the groom, noticed a small boy had fallen into the river and was having trouble keeping his face above water. Now, he was with a couple siblings of his, but also just other little kids. So this is a little boy, seven years old. Without hesitating, the groom dove into the water, pulled the boy to safety. By the time the bride noticed and shouted out, Clayton had already jumped down and brought him to safety. His quick action saved the little guy who was struggling to swim. The couple says that an older sibling of the child eventually arrived and escorted the youngster away from the park. That's just like something Clay would do, Brittany told the TV guys. It's something he would just instinctively do. Yeah, you better believe it. I mean, situations like that that we may find ourselves in, just take action. Do something. Do a good deed. Don't wait until all the lights are green or all the conditions are just right. Now, here's a story about an eight-year-old little girl who really enjoys bugs. Reminded me of some of my granddaughters in reading this. She enjoys bugs, and she was being made fun of. She was being bullied. And eight-year-old girls are not often encouraged to play with bugs and insects, yet Sophia Spencer has become an entomological prodigy and a role model for other girls' interest in biology. The youngster had been teased for how much she loved bugs. Whenever she was seen playing with grasshoppers, the other second graders at her elementary school would call her weird. Her mom says she's often being teased at school by her peers because she will proudly display her current bug friend on her shoulder. Well, her mom was worried about her daughter's confidence in the scientific field, so her mom sent a letter to the Entomological Society of Canada asking for encouragement. She asked if there was any way that they could encourage her little girl and her interest in bugs. Well, they did. They spread the word. They tweeted it out to their followers asking for help, and the response was overwhelming. Hundreds of entomologists, female and otherwise, flooded the society's inbox with kind words and offers of assistance under the hashtag Bugs Are For Girls. Well, one entomologist told Sophia that she was free to visit her lab any time. Another scientist offered to send her any pets, any nets, papers, supplies, and books she might want to pursue her interest. Another offered to show Sophia her bug collection. She made a big splash in the scientific community. She became a co-author of a paper in the Annals of the Entomological Society of America with Morgan Jackson, a PhD of entomology from the University of Ontario. Anyway, 
She says, after my mom sent the message and showed me all the responses, I was happy. I felt like I was famous because I was. It felt good to have so many people support me and it was cool to see other grown girls and grown-ups studying bugs. Made me feel like I could do it too and I definitely, definitely, definitely want to study bugs when I grow up. Probably grasshoppers. Well, just one of those cool stories. She says, and a lot of the kids stopped bullying me about it. You know, with her newfound fame, they were jealous of the fame and realized, hey, studying bugs is not so uncool after all, not so weird. Well, just a great story, just a feel-good story about a little girl who had a particular interest and needed some encouragement in being able to follow that interest. All right, let's go into some questions here. Rick says, I wanted to reach out to you to thank you for your show and your words of wisdom each week. A few years ago, I was bitten with the podcasting bug and being a storyteller and writer, I eventually began to write and produce audio fiction shows. While they are a labor of love and are not a source of income, quite the opposite, actually, I've geared the shows to more along the lines of family entertainment. My experience over the last few years has also allowed me to work with Marvel to edit and mix a couple of their weekly shows. In doing so, I've discovered a new passion in audio editing, and I'm considering this to supplement my family's income. It would hopefully offer a low-cost solution to other podcasters who perhaps don't enjoy the audio editing aspect of the process. All this to say, I look forward to your show every week, and thank you. All the best, Rick. Um, Rick, let's unpack that a little bit. So you've discovered your own affinity for podcasting. You're doing that, but doing audio fiction shows that are family entertainment, you realize are not an income generator. They're actually, you say the opposite, actually. So it means they're costing you to do this, costing you time and perhaps some minimal expenses as well. Well, in doing that, people often discover what we call ancillary opportunities Here's an example. Cliff Ravenscraft, you hear me talk about the podcast Answer Man. He's been an incredible help to me with technology and setup and equipment and all that over the years. Cliff started out doing a podcast about the, the TV show Lost. Then he had Stephanie, his wife, join him. And they just would unpack that. Now, there was no money to be made in that. But all of a sudden, Cliff realized they had like 60,000 people that were following every episode. In looking at ancillary opportunities, he identified that there were a whole lot of people who would like to have their own podcast like that, but didn't know how to do it. He became the podcast answer man. And for eight years now, he's been teaching other people how to set up podcast equipment, how to get in the game. His podcasting A to Z. Now he's changing some direction right now, but he's been doing his podcasting A to Z. So he discovered an opportunity that was an ancillary opportunity that was right alongside his desire and just enjoyment of doing his podcast based on the TV show Lost. Now that ancillary opportunity has been creating roughly a quarter of a million dollars a year for him since that time. I would encourage you to look a little broader for the opportunities that may be part of your understanding of podcasting and editing. When you talk about helping others with a low-cost solution, other podcasters who don't enjoy the audio editing aspect of the process, I mean, keep in mind, there's a whole lot of people in podcasting who don't have a lot of extra capital to to spend. Also, podcasting is, for the most part, a very informal medium, meaning 
most of us doing podcasting don't have expensive production uh, you know, cost in, associated with our podcast, like this one that you're listening to. I mean, I've never paid anything. I've never paid anything for editing or any other aspect of the podcast. I simply turn on the switch, record the podcast. Now, I do have a couple of people that help me in terms of, and when I say that, I mean, they, they literally just help me as volunteers because they enjoy what I'm doing and want to be a part of it. So that I don't have any cost associated with doing this podcast at all. But I, I think you're going to have to look a little broader than just doing audio editing. I, I think it's going to be a needle in a haystack to find people who would pay anything reasonable that would compensate you reasonably for your time. That being said, I would encourage you to look for those other ancillary opportunities that may be right around that, where you can turn it into something that's really profitable in the arena of podcasting. Hey, maybe take over what Cliff is walking away from because he's moving on to some other things and is no longer going to be doing his podcasting A to Z. Well, this comes from Justin who says, um, my name is Justin. I'm 21 years old. I wrote you a while back about finding my passion, and since then I realized it was right in front of me. What I had lacked was a purpose to pursue my passion, which I realized was right in front of me as well. Over two years ago, now check this out. This is pretty interesting. Justin says, over two years ago, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and after some time really struggling, I eventually came to decide that I wasn't going to let it be a limitation. In May of this year, I started up Tripolar, which is me sharing my experiences as I'm building the life I dream of. My whole focus is showing others that mental illness doesn't have to be a limitation because I truly believe it isn't. Rather, I see it as a motivator to provide, to prove others and the stigma wrong. The dream life I am building includes writing and performing music, filmmaking, full-time traveling, photography, vlogging, YouTubing, and I'm sure there are some other things I forgot. Aside from these, as more personal goals, I want to be as fit as I can, want to learn how to cook really well, and to be constantly growing my knowledge. I am and have always been a creator. Drawing was my first hobby starting before kindergarten, and to this day I love learning new ways of creating and telling a story. Now, Justin goes on, and on and on, and talking about wanting to create content, you know, wanting to connect with others who are kind of on the same path. He says, I have a purpose. I have so much passion, but I'm just so unsure of why I feel I'm hitting a roadblock. I have felt God's hand leading everything I've done so far. And now I feel like he's waiting for me to choose to act. I'm so ready to go. And every day I want so badly to be making a difference in the world. I just don't know what the next step is. Or maybe I do. Do I just start creating like there's no tomorrow? Do I let my passion and purpose take the wheel and see where they take me? I want nothing more than to have everything I create be made for the purpose of inspiring others with mental illness. Any advice you have would be so appreciated. All right, Justin, I love your passion. Love the kind of things you're doing. Love your approach to the particular challenge that you have. Um, I, I would caution you about even framing it as mental illness. I mean, bipolar is one of those things. We could probably all be diagnosed with a little bit of that, just recognizing the ups and downs in daily life. But yeah, certainly it's probably not something that needs to limit you. But uh, beyond that, in terms of what you're doing, I did go to your website. It's clear you've got the passion that you describe here. However, I really don't know what it is you're trying to do ultimately. And when you say that you want to spend all your time doing this, just creating content is not enough. 
You've got to move beyond creating content to having specific things that will help other people and allow them to pay you for that help and assistance inspiration that you want to give them. So you you talk about, gee, you want to help people, you want to inspire them, and you want to blog, and you want to travel, you want to create content, write, and all that. That's great, but there's got to be an end game in that. Just creating content alone is not enough. You can throw all kinds of things out there on the internet, but without giving people an opportunity to give you money, you're going to not be able to continue that. I mean, the reason, you know, being profitable, there's no shame in being profitable. Being profitable means you get to continue inspiring other people. You get to continue giving people great advice for how they can deal with some of the things that you've dealt with. If you don't figure out a way to be profitable, that's going to dry up. You're not going to have that privilege to continue. So by all means, figure out ways to, you know, you, you need to have courses, tip sheets, I mean, downloadable PDFs, coaching help, book recommendations. I mean, all of those things don't confuse activity with accomplishment. You can be really, really busy creating content and not have it lead to any specific benefit for you. So don't get caught in that cycle. Don't get just wrapped up in your enthusiasm. You have to move beyond knowledge, beyond just providing information to creating a clear plan for how people can then purchase that and you can benefit from that as a result. Man, you're close. I mean, your your passion, purpose is already defined. You're there. You just need to put legs on it. And putting legs on it means how do you go now and make this an actual business? Don't apologize for doing that. I mean, that's what will allow you to continue doing that. And when you sell things to somebody, it's a way that you can serve them well. It's not manipulating, conning, getting their money, and now they're poor, you're richer. No, it's serving them well. And you're really close to being able to do that. So hang in there. Just work on creating a plan to do that. This comes from um, Danny who says, uh, Dan, my wife and I were looking for some coaching help. It would be life goals and possibly business goals. Not sure where to start looking for someone. Any help pointing us in the starting direction would be great. Well, I mean, I'm going to direct you. I mean, I don't want to just be self-serving, but we want to serve you. Just like I was talking about. If you go to 48days.com slash coaching, you'll see some information there to help you understand if you are at a place where coaching would help you. And then if so, there's a simple form to fill out. If you fill that out, I mean, Ashley, my daughter reviews all of those coming in and we can match you up with some resources or coaches that could be a match for you and helping you achieve and accomplish what it is that you want to accomplish. I mean, do that by all means. I mean, when, when I want to have success in a new area, the first thing I do is look for a coach in that area. I mean, I really do. I've had coaches at every step of the way. If it's in podcasting, if it's in blogging, if it's uh, working to expand our seminars or create new co- courses I mean, all of those things, how to do a mastermind. The first thing I do is look for a coach to help me in that area. I commend you on reaching out, but please give us an opportunity to connect you with resources that can help you in that area. I mean, I'm doing more coaching that that I've done in quite a while. I realized that I missed it. And as much as I had moved away from that in doing a lot of other things that I really enjoy as well, 
I've really recognized how much I enjoy the process of working with people in challenging situations and helping to come up with new options, new creative things they can do. Wow. Just working with a gentleman who has been a pastor for a significant period of time. We created an exit plan and new things that he's going to be, be moving into. Another gentleman just working with, just uh, saw him yesterday, who has been working with the government. He working with the you know, government agency. I won't go into specifically which one. Bored out of his mind. Paid exorbitantly well. Bored out of his mind. Decided he couldn't handle it anymore. Well, we came up with a list of about 25 things that he could potentially do. We narrowed that down, kept narrowing down, using it as a filter, what we were able to discover about him. So the filter is what is unique about you, your skills and abilities, your personality traits, your values, dreams, and passions. As we get clear about those things about you, then that acts as a filter and we can throw any idea up against that, whether it's getting another job, starting a business, you know, going into a franchise, I mean, we, you can evaluate all kinds of things based on the filter of what it is we know to be true for you. And in doing that with this gentleman, came up with a really cool idea. His father-in-law is a, a big real estate investor and broker, and uh, he has some connections there. So what he wants to do is find property that he can divide into hobby farms. Now that's specifically hobby farms. We're not just talking about, well, here's another 10 acre tract. We're talking about how he can clear it and help people see the potential to maybe have a few chickens or a few goats or to have an organic garden, you know, to do specific things that people are looking for. I mean, that's a real niche in the real estate arena where people are saying, gee, we don't want to live in the city anymore. We want to be out far enough that we can raise our kids where they really can connect with the land. So he's going to position himself as the go-to real estate guy for that kind of hobby farm. And I think it's brilliant. I think he will absolutely thrive in that space. Well, let's just bring up the music here a little bit just to take a quick break. Going to go into some more questions here. But I want to remind you, these are real life questions concerning people just like you and me. Hey, I'm in the trenches as well. Golly, I've got more questions and all be put together for things that I'm looking at right now at the end of the year here trying to figure out clarity and focus what I want to accomplish next year. So I'm reaching out to people, reaching out to people that I'm connected with, looking for advice and counsel, getting direction as well. But if you got questions, I'd love to put it in the lineup to discuss here on the 48 Days Radio Show. And as you know, you can go to 48days.com, click on the podcast link and leave it there. You can write it out there, or you can just simply send an email to me at askdan at 48days.com. Probably the easiest way, the one that most people take advantage of. Well, check this out. <laughs> this is a gentleman has a big, bold headline, ultimate skeptic. Dan, I have to admit that I am the ultimate skeptic. And for good reason, my wife and I were burned some 20 years ago and still trying to regain the confidence needed to get back in the game. You had mentioned Jim's, Jim Cochran's Amazon product on your podcast, and I believe there have been a few 48 Days members that have been successful at implementing it, so much so they were able to break away from their J-O-B-S. Would it be possible for you to provide a contact for my information, I know in the whole scheme of things, it's a relatively small investment, but an investment is an investment. 
Thanks and have a prosperous week. All right. Now I, I got in, I'm not sure the last couple of weeks I mentioned a couple of times, the new things that are happening in online selling, one of those being Amazon merch. And I said, if you want more information on that, just let me know. And I'd give you some more information. Well, a, a whole bunch of you did. My goodness, when I came back from being gone for a couple of weeks, there was a whole bunch of you and I've tried to give everybody that piece. And really the easiest thing to do is just go to proven Amazon course.com slash 48 days. There's some special things there for 48 days listeners. So proven Amazon course.com slash 48 days. That is the course that I highly recommend. And it includes the new course in its entirety on Amazon merch, where you can put up designs for t-shirts, no investment, just put those designs up and have people purchase them and get a, ro a generous royalty commission on the back end. So that's what people are using to start some very lucrative businesses. And yes, there's a whole lot of people in the 48 days community that are doing exactly that. I mean, golly, Michael and um, Claudia Good just moved to Franklin here from Pennsylvania because they've been so successful with Amazon FBA fulfilled by Amazon. They have the freedom to live anywhere they want to. They choose to, chose to move right here and that's what they do. They purchase products, put them up on Amazon and that's their only source of income. Um, Jamie and uh, Ruthie Slangerlin just moved here. Well, a couple, a couple of years ago, probably now from Buffalo, New York, right here to Franklin, just up the street from us because of their very successful online selling that they are doing. I mean, that gives them the freedom. They travel, I think, more than they work because they're able to do that because of the success of their business. And yes, there's a whole lot of people. We could go on and on and on with people that are doing extremely well with things that they're doing online. So I do highly recommend that. Jim Cockrum is a dear friend of mine. He's in my high-level mastermind, 48 Days Mastermind. And um, trust him implicitly. But his information, again, that link is provenamazoncourse.com slash 48 days. Now, however, I want to jump back a little bit in this question. Remember what I read here. It says, Dan, I have to admit I'm the ultimate skeptic for good reason. My wife and I were burned some 20 years ago, and I'm still trying to regain the confidence needed to get back in the game. Wow. I need to encourage you to get back in the game. What have you been doing for 20 years? Playing it safe, staying on the sidelines, not risking, not trying new things, not growing, not having an adventure. Oh my gosh, life is passing you by. Don't do that. Man, I was burned big time. A little more than 20 years ago now, I was burned. I mean, I was so on my back, looking at the, the hole I had dug for myself, I thought I'd never see daylight again. I mean, matter of fact, that's what I felt. I mean, $430,000 in debt. And I, I thought, wow, I could get a job. But if I got a job, I mean, a good job. If I got a job making $70,000 a year, how would I ever get out of that hole that I had created? I was more than burned. And there were a lot of things I could have pointed fingers at, the changes in banking regulations, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't do that. I looked at the guy in the mirror the next morning and said, hey, dude, you got us into this. How are you going to get us out of this? And started coming up with a plan to get us out of that. 
but I sure don't want to spend 20 years of my life licking my wounds. Don't do that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you were burned. I, I don't know if you were taken advantage of by a business partner or if you you had something, if you were let go unreasonably from a job, but I don't care what it is. I mean, I, I'm sure the other principals, the other people involved in that situation have long since forgotten that have gone on with their lives. Don't hang on to whatever it was that happened to you 20 years ago and miss new opportunities for moving into joy, fulfillment, and success in your own life. Step out. Get back in the game. That's way too much time to be sitting on the sidelines. So what, whatever it was, yeah, and I, I commend you for reaching out here. Sure. What is, guy? I don't even know how much it is. I don't know how much Jim's course is. I should know that. I don't care what it is. It's, it's worth it. I mean, if, if I invest, I mean, I, I just did a couple of presentations on investing in myself. I talk about the little strangest secret audio, audio, actually a little vinyl record that I bought a 33 and a third record that I bought when I was 13 years old that cost 15 bucks. Well, I do kind of a timeline and track what that little $15 investment did for me over the years. It's pretty stinking amazing as I unpack that. Matter of fact, I'm in contact with Nightingale Conant, the the company that produced that first little strangest secret audio recording about sharing with their audience what happened, what that led to. But I have I have things that I invested eighteen hundred dollars in, a program on teleseminar secrets, how to do seminars just using the telephone. The first seminar that I did, I netted over eighteen thousand dollars. I mean, those investments. Now, were there times in the years since I bought that strangest secret where I invested in something and didn't get a return? Absolutely. I mean, I have audio programs here that I paid six hundred and fifty dollars for, or eight hundred dollars, you know, that were absolutely worthless. I don't care. In the whole scheme of things, there's been a major, major progression forward that I really value. So when, when I go to a conference, I'm not there saying, oh, you know, I, they better make it worth it or I'm going to be disappointed. I never go in with that kind of an attitude. I'm there to, you know, what, what is the one or two ideas I'm going to leave here with? It may not even come to the stage, it may not be any of the content presented from the conference at all. It may be somebody that I met there, but I know that if I have open ears and eyes, I'm going to leave with a couple things that can benefit me greatly. So yeah, I encourage you, my goodness, get back in the game for sure. I mean, you, you don't want to stay on the sidelines. Time is too short. Time is passing you by. You know, one, one of the things that we see in people who end up extremely wealthy is continuous learning. There are three things really continuous learning, clear goals and willingness to risk. And when I say risk, I don't just mean jumping off a cliff and hoping a net appears. I mean a calculated risk, but making an investment in something where you know it can benefit you if you implement the information that you're going to get. So do those things and move forward. Get back in the game. Congratulations on being ready. Well, Angie says, Dan, I recently took your quiz. We had an entrepreneurial quiz up. Golly, I, I, Sheila on our team sent that out. I didn't even kind of keep track of it. I remember seeing it and a whole lot of people jumped on an entrepreneurial quiz 
do you, yeah, do you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? I only scored 60 points, Angie says. I've been actively searching for home-based business ideas with the goal in mind to create more schedule, flexibility, and family time. How do I find resources to improve my score? My two lowest scores were dealing with change and self-discipline. My highest two scores were getting along with different people and taking advice from others. I appreciate your ideas and thank you for the quiz. It has shed light on areas I need to improve. Angie, now your two lowest scores, and then you ask, how can you improve your scores? Your two lowest scores were dealing with change and self-discipline. The best way to improve those scores is to recognize that you're low in those areas. I mean, that's really half of the solution is just recognizing, dealing with change. So the next time, you know, somebody suggests, hey, let's go to this restaurant instead of the one we've been going to for the last eight years, you know, you recognize, yeah, change may be difficult for you. Experiment with it. Drive a different way to work. You know, visit a different church in your area. Invite some people to your home that you would normally not invite just to get to know them, even if they have different perspectives. Just look at ways you can grow and stretch yourself so that you address this challenge of dealing with change. Self-discipline, if you score low on that and you know that's something, give yourself some task. Just give yourself some deadlines. And when I'm working on a, a book manuscript, I mean, yeah, we always establish a deadline for that with the publisher, but that's not really what drives me. What really drives me are my own personal deadlines that I set along the way. So if it's going to be 10 chapters, you know, I set a deadline for when I'm going to have chapter one finished. You know, I set those myself. Those are self-imposed deadlines along the way. And even if thing in things like physical fitness, if I set as a goal that I'm going to exercise four days a week, well, it's pretty easy to track. Did I do that or not? If I go through a two-week period and find that I only did twice a week in that period, wow, I didn't stay true to what I was going to prove to myself that I could do, you know, doing it four times a week. I didn't exercise the self-discipline. I just need to be consistent about doing that. So really, you don't need any outside sources to help you in those. You're just addressing them, knowing that those are areas that uh, may be challenges for you, maybe holding you back from a higher level of success. You can address those and move on from there. So just, you know, I commend you on taking the little quiz. Do you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? And you can just address the things on your own and just move forward from there into the higher level that you're looking for. Well, let me go to this. And this comes from Lauren who says, I just finished reading. Hey, hey, before I do that, I'm good because I may spend a little extra time on this one. I want to just mention again, the 48 days Eagles. That's one of the most exciting things going on around here is what's happening there. Actually, by the time you listen to this, I will have done another webinar where I'm going to be talking about it. And I had planned to open it up to people knowing that there were going to be some bonuses we were going to do up until the point that we got to 500 members. Well, while I have been gone a couple of weeks, we already hit that number. So I know I mentioned it in a podcast a couple of weeks ago, but there were some things that happened and there was a whole bunch of people that got in there. So we already hit that, but we're going to 
continue to do some special things in the 48 Days Eagles community and, and a whole bunch of new things coming up. One of the things we're doing right now is if you are a member and you refer somebody who becomes a member, you get one of the new Amazon merch 48 Days Eagles t-shirts. You get one and the new member gets one as well. So you both get one of those cool new t-shirts that we've got up on Amazon merch. We're having a lot of fun with that. We put it up there as kind of a community project saying that anybody can put up designs and then any of the money that's generated as royalties, we just put into a fund where we can use it for scholarships, bonuses, helping people out in tough spots or whatever. So I love what's happening there with that, but that's all happening in the 48 days Eagles community. Incidentally, we're changing again. By the time you listen to this, we have changed how you join at this point with 500 people. We've just had it open. People just join. That is no longer the case with the momentum that we've got. We recognize that we want to screen people so that we really have people who are a good fit for being there. So there's now an application process. You can fill that out. If you go to 48 days, eagles.com you'll see that you can go down through and see the videos that we've got there to tell you all about what's happening in the group and you can also see the application there so it's to be that has to be filled out the application then it'll be reviewed by our leadership team on the 48 days eagles and then if you in fact are somebody that we think would be a good addition to the group then we tell you that so it's it's changing things are tightening up but i love what's happening there in the 48 days eagles so check it out now this comes from Lauren who says, I just finished reading 48 days to the work you love and completing the workbook. I'm still not any further along with my career path. Like I hoped I might be. Ouch. Ooh, that breaks my heart. Lauren, you read 48 days and completed the workbook and you're still not any further along. I mean, I, I really, I, I need to know what have I missed because I want that to be a, a clear path to help people get clarity and a clear path with all the steps to walk right through that. And of course, we have lots of testimonials that that did, in fact, help people do that. So when I get a note like yours, I cringe. And I think, my goodness, you know, what, what do I need to add? And I'm certainly open to new ideas. We keep addressing that in other kinds of information that we're making available and certainly here in the podcast. But if there's anything that somehow did not give you the clarity that you need. I'd love to know that. So here's the rest of Lauren's question. Basically, Lauren says, I want to find a career that I will be happy with in the Oklahoma City area that makes a specific salary. I wish you'd mentioned what that was. I'd love to know what that is. I don't know what it is. Anyway, Lauren says, I know that I would like to not be in sales. Now, she has not in all caps. I have a marketing degree and have experience working in minor league baseball ticket sales and ticket sales for the NBA and worked as an intern in game day operations at a big 12 college currently working in the insurance industry. I'm not fulfilled here. I have searched and searched and applied for numerous positions with no luck. What should my next step be to achieve my career goal of increasing my salary and happiness? I'll tell you what your next step is needs to be. That is to change your mindset about selling. You say, I know I would like to not be in sales. Lauren, if you're not selling, you have no value to anybody. 
Yeah, let me just let that sink in for a little bit there. I mean, there's not a company in the world that would like to have you come on board if you're not interested in selling. Everybody, selling is the only thing that keeps the doors open for a business. Anything else is just dead weight and overhead. Again, going back to our quotation for today, selling is serving, helping others find solutions, impacting lives positively with passion and integrity. I mean, how else could we frame that? I mean, and, and how, what else would we want to have involved in a company? I mean, I don't want anybody involved in 48 days who's not selling what we're doing. Now, if that's Sheila, who creates all of our Facebook ads and does the little promos that you see, is she selling? You better believe it. And she understands what it is that we're doing. We're inspiring people, giving them resources that then ultimately lead to them spending money with us. And that's no secret. People buy books, seminars, courses, come to live events, ask for coaching. You know, want to get involved in 48 Days Eagles. I mean... Those are things that generate profit because being profitable means I get to continue serving people without asking for donations. It's just that simple. If you're not selling, you're dead weight. Certainly not somebody I would want on my team. And I can't imagine any company that would be open to having you on board if they knew you didn't want to be involved in selling. I mean, Dave Ramsey talks about this with his company. I mean, everybody there understands they're selling. It doesn't matter if it's the janitor or, you know, somebody sitting at a desk buried in the fourth story of their building, you know, behind a computer. They're selling. They all are selling. So that that's going to unlock more than anything else I can do to give you confidence in what your next step is change. You are selling for you to get a job. You're selling, you have a product to sell. That product is you. The more you view it in that way, the quicker you'll have success. You're selling a product. That product is Lauren. There's no other way to frame that. When you go out on an interview, you're selling a product. If you're going to be part of if, if you are, get hired as part of a team, so you're given a position, you're selling yourself every day when you walk in there. That doesn't stop because they gave you a job. Now you can just forget about that. Just hang your hat up every day when you walk in, go to your cubicle. No, you need to sell your value to that company every single day you're there or they're going to ask you to leave. And rightfully so. It's just that simple. You are in selling. But don't see it as something negative. Now, this is what baffles me even more, Lauren. And I'm going to really be hard on you here because I hope it'll, uh, I hope it'll help you and certainly a lot of other people listening as well. You say, I have a marketing degree and have experience working in minor league baseball. A marketing degree. Why do you have a marketing degree? What does a marketing degree do except help you sell it? Why did you get a degree in marketing? Marketing is not just creating fancy logos and billboards. Marketing, it leads directly to selling. And without that direct connection, there's no value for it to be connected with us at all. Sell, 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 hold your head high. My goodness. I mean, I love selling because it's the best way that I know to serve other people well. It's the only way I know to serve people well. 
We've talked about the recent book, Real Artists Don't Star, by our friend Jeff Goins. Now, you got to get your head around, no matter what it is you do, if you're, if you're serving people well, you're selling. If you're a teacher, you're selling that. If you're a pastor, you're selling the ideas that you want to promote. Anybody with any kind of success at all, anybody who's alive is selling in order to survive. Change your attitude about that. Change your position on that. It can transform the successes you're going to see. Go out there with your head held high, knowing exactly what your marketable skill is. People will want you on your team because you're going to help sell whatever it is that they're promoting. Without that, your chances of getting hired, finding a position at any salary are very, very slim. Hey, thanks for being part of this group, this growing group where we know what the opportunities are. They're all around. And we know that we can find or create work that is meaningful, fulfilling, purposeful, and profitable. Short of that, we can't go on. Short of that, our our success is immediately stopped. Enjoy the process.